Hey everyone, welcome back to the Long Lens Podcast. This is the filmmaking podcast where I answer questions from my YouTube community and talk about filmmaking at YouTube and oftentimes have other filmmakers and YouTubers come on and chat. If this is your first time listening to it, welcome. And this is actually the first time that I'm doing it in video format. And I have a really special guest, Nathan Swella from Nate's Film Tutorials. And we're going to be doing another podcast episode where we kind of share some tips on some of the things that we are relatively good at. I would say that Nate always brings a little bit more helpful tips most of the time than I do because I'm very like hyper-focused on one certain thing and Nate has kind of worked in a lot of different areas of filmmaking. So in today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about editing tips. And for those of you who don't know, Nate is actually an editor for Think Media, which is one of the biggest content creator YouTube channels on the platform, which is pretty cool. So, Nate, thanks for being here again, man. Appreciate it. Well, yeah, absolutely. I always have a great time on these podcasts and just sitting and talking, and I love to share filmmaking knowledge. So, this one I'm pretty looking forward to doing uh, editing tips. I think that is something not many people do talk about. So, I'm very excited to kind of shine some light on this. Yeah, absolutely. So, Nate and I both prepared three editing tips and we haven't shared them with each other yet. So we'll see if this is another one of those where I'm like super technical and then, you know, Nate comes in with more. We'll surprise you know, each other. <laughs> uh, a little bit more creativity maybe, but I'm going to let Nate start us off with his first tip for editing. All right. So this tip I think is the most critical. And if you have anything to take away, just take away this. And that is anything that is not clearly articulated, cut it. So a lot of times this can be applied to YouTube, filmmaking, documentary editing, even commercial corporate worlds, all things that I've done. And this rule always applies. And something I'm always thinking about is how can I make this as clear as possible? Um, and a lot of times you'll get footage and whether let's take an interview, an example, um, people tend to ramble and they don't really have cohesive thoughts. Even in this podcast, sometimes my thoughts aren't clearly communicated. So if we were editing this podcast, I'd always try to make my points as clear as possible. And that means to edit, even just taking out from a very, very technical standpoint, removing ums and buts or things that are unnecessary, cutting those things out will just make you feel a lot more coherent on camera. And that just overall improves the quality of your final product. So from a small scale, you can do that, take out technical ums and buts, but on a larger scale, is there anything in your project that maybe you hint at, but you just don't ever really communicate clearly? Can Maybe you should remove that section and just keep the whole clarity of your video to that one particular topic. I know a lot of times for me, when I'm making YouTube videos, Sometimes I'll go on a tangent and talk about one particular aspect of filmmaking, but it truly doesn't apply to this video. And so I got to remember to cut those things out and just keep the whole vision very clear and focused on one topic. So Nigel, I mean, have you came across that issue and what do you do to kind of fix that? Yeah, it's funny because like, that's something that I was really bad at in the beginning. Like when I first started making YouTube videos, like however, like a decade ago, like you can see just like the progression and like how much I talk about things that don't need to be talked about in my videos to where like now I feel like I've gotten to a point where I, you know, I cut out so much of it. And another part of it too is that like I stutter and stuff still. So like 
I have to cut all that stuff out anyway. So it makes me a little bit more conscious of like, okay, you know, I stuttered here. So I got to like, you know, cut that out. But did I also re-talk about something that's already been hit on at the beginning of the video or something like that? So yeah, I definitely, that's a really good tip is to comb over your footage a couple of times and make sure that like, there isn't anything that could just tighten it up and make it a little bit more easy to watch. Because as someone who watches a video, when you watch it and then you kind of think to yourself like, wait, didn't that guy just talk about that exact thing like five minutes ago? I find myself thinking whenever I'm watching somebody else's video and they do it. So if you can cut that out and just make it a little bit more easy to watch, I definitely think that's a good, that's a good tip. And you've been on YouTube for a very long time. I'm sure you just noticed the differences between you know, like editing back then was almost sometimes non-existent. Sometimes you just yeah. hit record and that's the end of the video. But yeah. I think now in this generation of like shorts and vertical videos, I think more people are aware of needing to edit your videos and whatever you do communicate has to be done in like 60 seconds or less. So yeah. I do think that is a good thing that comes from that and just be really mindful. Yeah, if you only have 60 seconds to, to, um, to tell a story or to get your information across, then you do need to be hypercritical of when someone might be losing interest or something, just making that really clear. Even just down to the way you kind of perform on camera, sometimes you can edit in the script. So a lot of times you have things laid out in the script. And if you don't have that editor's eye, you might just think, oh, this is value. And I want to put this in the whole video. I just want to put as much value as possible. I think it's more effective if you can be clear and know exactly even if you're scripting out your video to even just think about the editing process then what is going to make this the most clear and most impactful yeah absolutely and i feel like even sometimes when you script out a video sometimes things play out well when you're like writing them but it doesn't really oh, yeah, play absolutely. out as well when you're trying to like speak it to somebody you know so you kind of have to like you know keep that in the back of your mind yeah this looks great on paper but would i actually be saying it like this if I was talking to somebody else and mm. you know typically that's not the case so figuring out how to cut out you know like trim the fat so to speak in your videos Absolutely. is definitely really uh really beneficial for sure my first tip is actually one that I've I've hinted at in a few of my videos and I've kind of like you know like I've done some tutorials on it but just because I've been learning a new video editor uh DaVinci mm. Resolve I wanted to kind of like bring this up again because this is something that I use literally every single time there isn't a video that I make that I don't use this keystroke on, and that is learning the keystrokes to add audio transitions on all of your cuts. I remember listening to a podcast like a few years ago, and it was with Danny Gewurz, and he was saying how he still like dragged and dropped constant power onto every single cut of his videos. And I'm just like, he still does that? Like, there's such an easy way. You just you know select all of your clips and just you know Command Shift D, boom, you have an audio transition. And I feel like sometimes I watch uh, people's videos where I can hear that pop every single time the, the video cuts to a different scene and that can be really distracting. So just learn how to do that keystroke in Premiere. It's pretty easy. You just have to make sure that your transition duration is like two frames. And then in Resolve, you can basically just look up your your keyboard customization and you just have to look up add audio only transition and then you can just put that to whatever it is right now i just have it set to a so i just select all my clips hit a and it adds a two frame audio transition onto every single one of my clips and that way there's not gonna be any pops between each clips and it's all gonna like sound a lot more fluid so that's my first tip is just learn how to do that because 
I know a lot of people that still drag and drop constant power onto every single clip in their timeline, and that just seems like way too much work. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I I knew how to do that in Premiere. I did not know how to figure it out in Resolve. So I'm so glad you shared that because I'm still tracking and dropping different yeah. audio transitions. Because, uh, yeah, in and Premiere, it's like it was a simple, very straightforward. So I will definitely have to re-listen this podcast and make sure I do that in Resolve because I'm constantly just trying to make sure the audio is very smooth and getting back that command stroke where you highlight all the clips and then bam, you yep. know your audio is smooth is yeah, definitely, definitely worth it. And that's one of like, it's so strange because like, that's like one of the things that I use all the time in Premiere and that was one of the things that like, I just could not figure out and resolve. And yeah. It's just like those stupid little things where you just have to learn the different terminology of each, you know, of each video editor. So I agree yeah, completely. That was... That's, that's definitely one thing that held me back from switching to resolve is those little things that you, you probably spent like a decade inside Premiere Pro. And so you want yeah. just to have that want to pick up right where you left off and just not think about the technicalities of it. So yeah, yeah, learning your keyboard shortcuts, even beyond that, there's different things you can do. Like a lot of times I'll use my Logitech mouse that has customizable buttons and I'll mm -hmm. program them to different things. So that will just help speed up the workflow. So tremendous tip yeah. from you, Nigel. <laughs> All right, what's your next tip? So this one, I think I had to learn the hard way um, and that is to own your edit. Now, what does that mean? So if you work for yourself, I think that's pretty straightforward. But a lot of times if you're working under someone or let's say a client or whatnot, sometimes you have to try to anticipate what your client's needs are or what, you know, your director might say to you. And you might be afraid to make some judgment calls as an editor. And that really kind of freezes you up and how you edit. And, you know, I, I kind of like hear this like saying over and over again, just kind of like, as an editor, you do need to have permission to own your edit. And if you can work for someone who realizes that, fortunately, I think media, they're all editors, so they understand that. And so they give me the responsibility over each edit, which is helpful because we're posting lots of content frequently. If I had to, if I hesitated on doing something every little time and had asked for, you know, permission or whatever, you know, that would just bog things down. So if you can own your edit and not be afraid to, make a decision, cut this thing out, trim it up, that will just liberate you to be more creative with the edit. If you're feeling this thing is not working or this is not clearly articulated, you need to cut it out. And I just feel like I want to give you the permission if you're struggling with that, I want to give you the permission to own your edit and just kind of, you are a creative member in the whole production. So definitely bring your input, be bold and say what's on your mind. Most likely, and sometimes those things will get shot down, but it's kind of, you always have to be mindful and voice those things because if you don't, then either just gonna, you're gonna have the same issues over and over again, or a better way to think about it is if you do voice those things, then your director, creative director is going to have to prove on why that's actually the best choice if they disagree with you. So it makes them much more confident with the material and where the vision is. So that's, that's overall my tip is just kind of being bold with your edits and just taking ownership of it and just making it your own. What do you, what do you yeah. think about that? No, no, I definitely think that's good. And I feel like that's another, it's a thing that I guess I haven't had to like really think about too much because I edit all my own stuff and I haven't like, you know, I've never paid anyone to edit my, mm. my videos and I've never, I've edited other people's videos like way back when, but you know, it is a very like 
like editing is a creative process. So it's really cool that I think media like trusts you with it, you know, and like they're not like breathing down your neck on every single edit that you do. That's one of like the main reasons why I've been so hesitant to like like hire an editor is because like that's such a it's such like a crucial part of like my content creation that like I'm just so scared of handing that off. But it's so hard to good... articulate, you know, what you're looking for. Yeah. Like so it it's such a hands-on process with editing. A lot of times like when I'm you know, working with um, a creative person or working with another editor is just trying to be like, well, why does this work? Is a lot of times just like, it's in my gut. I just, I just feel like this is working better. Yeah. So it's very, you know, it's, there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but I think it's something if you do come across that line where you are editing for someone else, but even like for you, if you're just editing your own videos, I think it's just good to have that mentality is instead of like editing for your audience, maybe is there something that you wanna do that is slightly different? And chances are that would resonate with other people as well. So yeah, there's plenty of ways to uh, think about that differently. Yeah, and I feel like I've definitely learned from other filmmakers and like other editors because I'm definitely not the best or most creative editor out there, which is why like, you know, at some point, I think that it'd be fun to like actually hire someone and just see yeah. like what they would do with one of my videos, you know, because that sounds like, like a future video. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause like, you know, I might do something a certain way, but that might not be the most, you know, if I had like, um, a Hilliard Smith, you know, the guy that a Hayden Hilliard Smith, the guy that edits Logan Paul's videos, if he edited one of my videos, it would probably do so much better and get so much more engagement because he just, you know, he has that type of mindset. So I just think, yeah, it'd be interesting to uh, to see what other people would do with my content for sure. I love that idea. <laughs> it's hard to say this is a tip or it's more of a suggestion. This is something that I've been trying to do a little bit more because I feel like it, it eases the audience into different points of your video and that is to try using the ends of songs as transition points into like either nat sound or vocals before you start the next song and i've been trying to do this more because i've noticed with a lot of my edits i will have you know if it's like a long video and you know the song is only three minutes i could either stretch that song out with the remix tool on premiere or i can split the video into different points with different songs to use but a lot of the times i'll just bump the next song right up to the one that played before it and it can kind of be a little bit jarring and it doesn't actually like help transition the audience into a like the next section of a video so what i've started to do now is just fade songs out let there be some that sound and like some some voiceover or you know some talking head and then go into the next song to start at the next section of the video so it might be a very like niche tip, but I feel like for a lot of YouTubers, you'll have a song playing and it'll just cut right into the next song and there's no like smooth transition point. So that's something that I've been trying to integrate more into my videos so that, cause I feel like it can be a little bit, I don't know, amateurish, I guess, if you just drag and paste and bump up each song like right next to each other and not have any like smooth transition point. So I love that tip. And I think one thing that I apply to, you know, more YouTube style of editing is using different sound effects like crescendos or kind of bass drops to kind of add some drama to your YouTube videos. I think a lot of times people don't even realize that, but like little trailer risers and hits can kind of make something feel a lot more imp impactful. So a lot of times, like I'm spending a lot of time editing the first 30 seconds of a YouTube video. And I'll take an example. We have a 30 minute long video on YouTube advice. And I decided to make a hook for that video 
that was about a minute long as kind of like a recap of the different points in that video just to kind of get you hyped for that and so i took different inspirations from like other podcasts that have like a little hook intro at the beginning as all these like kind of trailer risers gonna significant reinforce different points to make it feel a little bit more cinematic a little bit more like a trailer would be so you effectively have a trailer at the beginning of your video and so using bass drops using uh, risers and different hits just to make your overall video feel more impactful i think is something that's definitely underutilized not necessarily need to be used for everything but definitely there's an opportunity to use sound effects to enhance the overall quality of your production yeah see that's something that like i I'm not good at yet. Like I'm not like I've used, you know, like the swoosh sound effects yeah. you know, for like zoom yeah. ins and zoom outs to like help audio wise, you know, transition you from different scenes. And that's something that like I'm really trying to learn how to do better. Cause I feel like that's that's definitely like an editing style that like works right now, mm -hmm. you know, with like the style of content that's like the Mr. B is you know, kind of hype content at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. I think exactly that I try to reinvent that a little bit. I don't like to directly copy and paste that style, but I think there still is some improve. like you can always get inspired and kind of make something your own from that. So it doesn't always have to be to that crazy hyper editing because to be honest, I'm not good at that either. <laughs> I'm not good at like the motion design. I'm, I'm more about like the story aspect and trying to, I can take a 30 minute long video and make it six minutes and tell it very cohesively. That's kind of where my skill set as an editor is. And to be honest, I don't really consider myself an editor that's not the first thing I think of I think of myself as a filmmaker as a creative as a youtuber and then it's an editor so it's like I yeah. I try to learn as much as possible from these different editing masterpieces that are on YouTube and documentary and film and try to blend those all into you know something that I like absolutely well what's your next what's your next editing okay technique? so this one I think this is pretty underrated so my next tip is something that I find to be a little underrated and that is collaboration. So I think this can apply to various different stages because if you're getting started in the film, you're probably like me where you didn't have anyone that was an editor, you know, where you could go to and kind of get information from. So I would say two things if you are a beginner is to get fresh eyes on it and whether that is just having your friend who might watch your video and just take notes of when they kind of might look away or get distracted or bored and take notes of those things and apply that to your video. If you know that someone's getting bored when you're saying this one thing or your video is just too long, then that means you need to kind of keep them more entertained and keep their interest aligned. And then if you don't have, you know, someone you can go to is to kind of remove yourself from the project a bit. Maybe you spend a bit of time editing a project take about like um maybe a week or maybe just a day or even a few minutes kind of come back to your project and you can kind of see it from a whole new perspective of what worked and what didn't work you know a lot of times when i was working for a small production company sometimes we would there's a couple different editors and we would all edit the project maybe i'll hand it off to someone and they'll take it for a bit and then it'll kind of come back to me and what i found is even if you have someone who speaks to you like in a, in, from fresh eyes and a fresh perspective, you see it in a whole new way and it kind of speeds up that where if you would have to kind of remove yourself, it would almost speed up that process where someone can instantly point out what's not working. And I found that to be tremendously helpful 
even though it can be so painful at times, if like you poured so much love into a project and you know, some kind of surrounds like it's boring, it's crap <laughs> or like change this and change that. It can be disheartening, but I do think it makes you a better editor. And the more times you have that process, you'll kind of grow a thicker skin around that and you won't get offended by that so much. And you'll actually kind of want people to kind of dissect it because you'll probably be more interested in learning on how to make this a better video. So I think that is probably the best piece of advice I could give is just collaboration and try to be creative with different ways you collaborate. Like your example of if you had an editor edit one of your videos and you could see what they did with it, what they saw, and how it was different than what you would edit. I think um, that is probably the best way to improve yourself as an editor when it comes to either YouTube, documentary, or even filmmaking. No, it's funny because it's probably going to segue into my next tip. But yeah, I mean, I definitely, like I had a buddy just uh, just yesterday, he like, you know, he sent me a video and just like, hey, I just, you know, I just got this cut. Could you watch it? And like, you know, just give me some, some feedback on like what you would change. And, you know, he's just, you know, he's like uh, starting a YouTube channel right now. And so I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'll watch it. And I gave him, you know, like all the things that I would change in it. And I feel like it is good to have like another set of eyes to kind of like see what's actually working and what isn't because, you know, you do kind of get in love with your own edit. And, you know, especially if you're making the content too, if you're not making the content, I feel like, you know, for you, it could be like, you know, a little bit easier because like, you know, you're editing videos that other mm -hmm. people shot, but sometimes when, I mean, but you also, I mean, you make your own YouTube videos. Too. You gotta learn when to kill uh, your darling. Like, yeah, it's, it's definitely exactly. something that can, um, at, at the beginning stages is you think your video is a masterpiece. And I, I want to tell you, like, if you are starting out, chances are your videos are not even the quality they could be become just to be honest. Cause I look back on stuff even that's two years ago and be like, wow, this editing is abysmal for, I look back even on my YouTube videos from a couple years ago and I realize I am not delivering on the value of this video's promising. Just mm -hmm. that's because of things that I've learned, you know, editing Think Media videos and learning about YouTube. It's like, you want to be clear and you want to be, you know, deliver on the value as soon as possible. And so there's, yeah, like, so you definitely need to have a, grounded perspective on your own videos and know that it's okay if it's not great because you're just starting but the more you do it the more you can improve will make you a better editor in the long run i guess this kind of goes into my last tip which is learn how to hide your edits okay uh mostly with and this kind of is also kind of like a way to keep your audience engaged so like something needs to be happening on the screen like every you know i don't know what it is now you know like 10 or 15 or 20 seconds or something like that and so like i always i mean i don't necessarily adhere to this rule like a hundred percent but i always try to like have something happen and this is going to be specifically for youtube videos but have something happen on screen every like you know 10 to 15 seconds just because you know i could think that me sitting here talking to camera and delivering a lot of really good information is a good youtube video but even if i think that it's great it's probably going to be boring to most people who watch it so kind of like what you started off with every you know 10 or 15 seconds make sure that something's happening on screen whether it's you know some text or you're punching into the shot, which every time you punch in, you should keep your eye aligned. This is kind of going all over the place, but have something going on so that there's some breakup in your talking heads, especially because I've watched 
so many YouTube videos where it's just this really long talking head portion. I try to keep the audience engaged by not boring them with super long talking head portions. Unless you have to be the type of personality like Casey Neistat or something like that, where you can just post a completely unedited video. There's exceptions for all of these things that I'm talking about. But yeah, figuring out how to hide your cuts and keep your audience engaged with breaks in your super long segments is what my I'm so glad is. you mentioned that because I think what that really boils down to is who the audience is and what kind of content do they expect with YouTube there are mm -hmm. several different kinds of audiences and I think there are some things you can get away with you can be a little bit you know hacky with your YouTube videos you can do jump cuts you know you can do those things um but it really depends on what the audience expects because to be honest sometimes i spend a ton of time on a think media video and the video will just flop and there's time yeah. i don't edit a video at all or just barely and that video does super well so it is like at the end of yeah. the day you kind of need to know where you're editing like where the structure lies and editing is not going to necessarily make a video but it can certainly shape a video and so um, it just really needs to know, like, how is this audience going to consume the content? Do they want a podcast like this that is more conversational and they want to play in the background while they're driving, while they're working, and they're not caring about the visuals? Because if we put yeah. B-roll over this, maybe that's not even going to matter at the end of the day. Other, other times, you know, people want the short 60-second vertical video from this that you could pull and put some fancy text and graphics, and that is another way they're going to consume it. So I think that is a big question for me, even as my own job is like, who is the audience that would go to watch Think Media or a Nate's Film tutorial videos or a Nigel's videos? You know, what are they going to want to watch? And the more you kind of get to know your audience and, you know, find different things that interest you, I think that is ultimately going to kind of start to shape on how you want to edit your videos to kind of best serve them. Yeah, and I think that's definitely true because... You know, just as you say that, like, it's a very, it definitely is specific as to like what type of video you're making, because, you know, just thinking about some of the other videos I watch, like I watch a lot of like, you know, camping videos and a lot of it is just like a 30 second clip of this guy setting up his tent. And it's like, I'll watch the whole thing because I find that interesting. There's no jump cuts. There's yeah. no, there's no titles on screen. So yeah, it is definitely very specific to the type of content you make. You know, like you and me, we make like informative educational type stuff and maybe even stuff that like showcases products even probably a little bit like the, the type of people that are watching our stuff are probably there to try to get the information as efficiently as possible. Whereas, you know, the audience for a camping video is just someone who wants to sit down with, you know, a bag of chips. And if they want to be entertained exactly. or if they want to be educated yeah. or, you know, a lot of times it's a little bit of both of, yeah. of education and entertainment. So I think for us, it's like we definitely lean towards that education side of filmmaking, but you and I want to do things a little bit more cinematically or tell things in a more interesting way. Whereas I think media video might even lean more towards the education where it's just trying to be as clear as possible. I'm going to approach my own videos definitely differently than how I'd approach, you know, a think media video. And you're, you know, going to do the same, just like the way you would, you wouldn't cut a wedding video like a YouTube video. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm going to get married. You know, you're not going to do yeah, that. No. <laughs> so it's like there's different ways that you want to serve them. And I think at the end of the day, if you can have a clear picture of who that person is, and if you don't know who your audience is, I would say just 
what are you interested in? What are you catering to? And you kind of hinted that already. It's like mm-hmm. the content you consume kind of detects on what you're editing. So you should be very conscious of what you're consuming and taking notes. And, you know, if you want to be more like an editor, like Mr. Beast, maybe watching more of Mr. Beast edits and taking notes. Yeah. Or if you want to be more like Nigel Bowes and, you know, edit some cinematic looking product reviews, then you need to watch and take notes of him and kind of dive and see what works. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have a bonus tip. It's kind of, it's like very niche, but let's go for it. Okay. I'm just going to go for it. So my bonus tip is if you're a beginner at doing color and using Adobe Premiere Pro, uh, something that I did when I first started out and I didn't really know how to use color reels or anything like that to balance my image is I would use levels. And what I would do is I would take levels, apply it to the the video clip that I was trying to color correct and you can pull up your RGB parade and you can kind of see where all of the colors are landing. So if you're like super heavy on blue and your green is really low or your red is super high, mm-hmm. you can use the levels and adjust each parameter. So you can adjust reds, blues, and greens and it get your RGB parade to kind of be like a little bit more leveled out. And that could be a really quick and easy way to do some some color correction on your videos if the color wheels are still confusing to you. That's obviously very niche. I'm sure that there's way better ways to do it in DaVinci Resolve, but if you're just, if all that DaVinci Resolve stuff is still really confusing to you and even the stuff inside of Premiere is still confusing, give that a shot because it can actually be a pretty effective way to balance out your image. And you can even push a little bit of a look into it too if you really wanted to. So when I first started out with Premiere, that's how I was actually taught how to like, you know, color correct was with the levels panel. So mm-hmm. just try doing it that way. Cause it could be a effective way to do it. If you're a beginner and you're using Adobe premiere. That made me think of a quick bonus tip for editing and specifically this saved my bacon so many times. And that is Adobe's new podcast AI feature, which will take any sort of audio you give it. If you have crappy audio, for me, like with Think Media videos, sometimes we're pulling from videos that doesn't have the best audio and it's just very grainy and muffled and disgusting. And I can just export out an MP3 file, upload it to Adobe Podcast Enhance, totally free. I'll download a nice studio quality version of that. It's mind blowing uh, how well it works. It's not perfect. You know, it sounds a little bit digital here and there, but I've used that for so many videos and not many people can tell the difference. And so if you have like old archival footage sometimes, like I've even done that where it'll fix it and where I just need voiceover. Yeah. Um, and the great thing about that is if you have a bunch of different videos you're pulling from, it'll kind of always give it a very consistent audio level throughout your whole project. Yeah. So that is that is definitely an underrated tip if you guys have something super technical that you need to fix like sound there's not many ways you can fix sound but that is one thing that is um definitely underrated yeah i'll i'll piggyback off that and give a bonus bonus tip because i actually (laughs) because i actually use that that ai feature on every single or like on like the last like five podcast episodes that i've done just because oh nice it helps clean everything up but what i do is because i found that like every time i get it it always sounds a little bit too bass heavy. And so Mm. I always in Premiere, because I edit this podcast in Premiere just because it's the easiest way for me to do it. But I I take the parametric equalizer and I just go to the preset that says wrap vocals and I just drag and drop that onto my audio and it levels it out and makes it sound a little bit less bassy and just gives a little more life to it. 
and it sounds great, at least to my ears. So, yeah, definitely. I'll have to try that because I definitely do a little bit of EQ anyway, but um, yeah, that's that's a good tip. Yeah, like the vocal enhancer is a little bit, it doesn't, it's like the preset for vocal enhancement, it sounds okay, but rap vocals just for some reason sounds the best. It, it kind of counteracts like mm -hmm. the super bass heavy audio that you get from that Adobe AI thing. So Yeah, because it's, it's trying to mimic a studio quality microphone. Exactly. And yeah. so sometimes it doesn't really work. Like if you purposely have a lav in shot and it just mm -hmm. sounds that visual and audio just doesn't sound right. Yeah. But um, I have even heard some people will take the original audio, stack it underneath and kind of put out a lower volume. Mm -hmm. So you have some of the more realistic sound mixed with the studio that's kind of upping the vocals. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mess with that a little bit and it works pretty good. It does really depend on how your voice sounds too. Like, I feel like I have a pretty like nasally voice that like it does sound a little bit like deeper, especially when, you know, my mic is placed, you know, pointing up at me. Yeah. So it really does depend on what kind of audio you're recording. But if you have, you know, a little bit less nasally of a voice, you might not need to do that, that equalizer. You still probably should just so it doesn't sound super bassy, but yeah. I, I'd say it's it's your last saving grace if you have no other options. Um, it just is tremendous. It definitely gets you like 80% the way there. Yeah, I'm really surprised at what AI is doing. But that's really the only AI tool that I've been using right now is just cleaning up my audio. <laughs> AI editing tool seems like another podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Nate, thank you so much for jumping on another podcast. And it's really fun having you on here. I think this is the, the third time I've had Nate on oh, the Long Lens podcast. So yeah, if you haven't checked out the Long Lens podcast before, I'm on season two. I've been doing this for over a year and it's mostly a Q&A podcast, but I do get really cool people like Nate on the podcast every once in a while and we talk. So yeah, if you'd like to check it out, I'm going to have the link to Spotify and Apple podcasts in the description. And uh, yeah, Nate, thanks again for hopping on the podcast. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. All right. Later. Keep dancing with the devil, buddy.